Lunchtime Heroes is brought to you in part by Splendid by Pour Veneer and Volcano Produce, erupting with freshness. Hey everybody, how are you today? Welcome. Thrilled that you're here joining us once again. We are so honored to have another guest on our Lunchtime Heroes broadcast talking about this incredibly important, impactful, game-changing. I don't know, Leslie, I could ramble on for like 15 more minutes about all the things, how important this is, but we're going to let you talk because it's more important to me in this subject. But this topic is so incredibly powerful. Feeding our kids at school is one of the biggest priorities I believe this nation needs to undertake to make positive changes to this planet, to our health, to our society, to so many ills that are out there in this world today. So please, everybody, let's get this conversation rolling one more time today. And I'm super stoked to have my guest here. Please welcome the Director of Nutritional Services from Twin Rivers Unified School District. Please welcome Leslie Pring. Welcome and thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much, Todd, um, for having me on this wonderful platform to share our story here at Twin Rivers Unified School District. So as you said, my name is Leslie Pring. I'm the Director of Nutrition Services for Twin Rivers Unified School District, which is here in the heart of California, uh, Sacramento, California, and I'm excited to be here. So thank you. Oh, it's absolutely, absolutely a pleasure. This is such an incredibly important topic. Our kiddos today deserve more respect than we give them. And we need to be leaning down or leaning back down, as I say. You know, you take as you get older, you start to pass your wisdom. You have a choice. Take your wisdom with you or take your wisdom and push it back downstream, right? And I believe very heartily that we need to be going downstream, work with our kids in so many different subjects. But school nutrition is one that I feel is so pivotal because it makes everything work. It makes grades better. It makes thinking better. It makes socialization better. It makes our health better. It makes the planet better. There's so many things are involved with this. So I'm super excited to have you here and talk about it. So let's get rambling, get rolling. I'll get off my soapbox and quit babbling like I always do. But nonetheless, it's just, you know, I love this topic. So it's not hard for me to get fired up about this. Would you just tell everybody a little bit about what your role is at Twin Rivers so people have an idea what you do? Yeah, so um, I am the Director of Nutrition Services. Um, I'm going on my sixth year here with the district. Um, I was originally hired as the operations manager, uh, which was just really overseeing the operations of our kitchens, making sure they had working, functioning equipment. Um, we have a pretty large district with about 55 uh, unified sites, and we also serve seven uh, non-affiliated charter school sites. So we have lots of equipment. Uh, so I started there, got my bearings in school nutrition and kind of the operations of that. And then at the time, our director was retiring. Um, and so I was placed as the person in charge. Um, and then over time, just really built, uh, built my credibility um, uh, with the administration here at the district. And I was so honored to be appointed the director um, in 2018, 2018 um, there for the district. So the majority of my time as a director has actually been under COVID uh, pandemic feeding style, if you think about it. So clear. Yeah is really my first real true school district, um, you know, model of serving kids in our cafeterias with minimal interruptions, um, no different, uh, you know, cohorts or distant learning. So um, this year, I'm getting a full scope of what I should be doing as a director, um, and just making sure that we are compliant, moving the work forward. Um, we are really, um, 
focused on raising the bar of our program and really getting out of the COVID style feeding where it was individually wrapped, packaged and uh, ready to, to eat um, outside of the cafeteria. So we're making right. a lot of great changes this year. Absolutely love it. I love it. So talk to me, how many kids are you feeding a day, a week, a year? Yeah. So our total enrollment with our Twin River site, which I said was 55 plus our charter, is around 27,000 students. Um, so we are rebounding very nicely um, from our COVID feeding. So last year was kind of a you know, a slow year. A lot of kids were quarantining um, or were not at school. So right now we're out of almost like pre-pandemic feeding rates. We're about 18,000 lunches per day, a little over the 7,000 breakfasts per day. And then we also do supper. And so we're about uh, 5,000 suppers per day. Wow. Three meals a day for these kids at school. And we don't think that school nutrition is an important enough topic. Come on, kids. We're telling you right now how important it is. You're feeding kids three meals a day. And, you know, and I have to say it, and, I, and I, I think I probably have said this every single broadcast, this may be the three meals that they get Monday through Friday, and it doesn't apply to Saturday and Sundays. You know, and it is a sad reality. Um, so Twin Rivers, as I mentioned, is in Sacramento. Um, we are right down the street from the Capitol, about 15 minutes or so, depending on traffic. Um, but we are a really uh, disadvantaged school district. Uh, so we were a community eligibility before COVID hit us. So right. our first year with COVID feeding, or not for COVID feeding, but community eligibility was the 1819 um, school year. So we had one full school year under community eligibility um, where all of our kids get to eat for free. And I remind my staff, as much as that's exciting to say and to be so proud that we can offer it, it's really for not good reasons, right? Yeah. Our kids, we have around 20,000 kids that qualify under the ISP rate, right? Um, So that means 20,000 of our kids are qualifying um, for some type of category to make them free. Um, So it's not for great reasons, but we are Mm -hmm. so humbled and honored every day that we can remove that barrier and increase food access for our students while they're on campus. Um, We have a huge percentage of kids that are also homeless um, that live in campers or RVs or in between homes. So we know how important it is to make sure that we have healthy food, um, we have meals prepared on time, and we're getting it to the kids every day. That is incredibly powerful. I mean, I, I think it, it is just, I am speechless in some ways. It's incredibly powerful, especially when you talk about that many kids um, that are in need. And, you know, we don't look at that real, you know, we don't, we don't look at things like that hard enough in this country in a lot of ways, right? We, we, we try to brush them off. We don't make eye contact at a traffic light. We try to look away as much as we can. You know, we'll look at a car crash to see what it's about, but we'll look away from somebody that's homeless or somebody yeah. in need. It's really, it's really unfortunate, which is why I think this platform is so incredibly powerful and the words that you're sharing and others is, is really me- meaningful. And that's what I like to say, you know, people are like, oh, wow, that's great. All your kids get to eat for free. And I remind them that it's not for good reasons. Like yeah. households do not have uh, a steady roof, a consistent roof over their heads, right? Um, some of these kids barely are are getting the essentials they need to function every day that we just kind of take for granted in our own life. So it is really important for me that our program 
is serving breakfast, lunch, and supper and the best high quality program. It is my why it is why we're here. Um, we have to do better for kids and we, it's our, in our interest that we serve them these meals every day. hundred percent. Talk to me a little bit about how much money you have to spend. I, Cause this is just one of the most fascinating questions I ask everybody that's come on this broadcast. And I just, every time I get blown away by it, talk to me a little bit about what you spend per yeah. kid per meal. So, you know, we are lucky to be in California where um, our legislation is investing in school meals for all, right? So California is really paving the way for universal meals uh, this school year um, coming out of this COVID era. So right now we're getting the biggest reimbursement we've ever seen in school meals. Um, it's a little over $3.50 for breakfast, um, $5.32 for lunch, and $4.33 for, for supper which, you know, it's a lot of funding that we get, but when we compare to what we could be, you know, how much meals are outside of school, it's really not a lot. So uh, very fortunate that we do get increased reimbursement. So um, right now we do have a fairly large um, budget um, for nutrition services. Uh, We're operating around a $24 million budget. Um, and we spend about 36% of that on food. So about 8 million there. And then 48% because we are in California and we have high wages and salaries and benefits, which our staff are very much deserving for. Um, so 48% of that goes towards my labor. Um, so that's salaries and wages, which leaves only about a small percentage for other things. So yeah. Um, when we take that calculation of the 36% food cost, um, it's been really, you know, we really want to improve the quality. Quality comes with the cost. So we're trying to be very smart now about how we menu and what we're offering um, for our students. So when we take that $5, right, and 30 cents, we really get $1.95 out of that that we are spending towards food and then you know the 260 towards our labor and salary. So that leaves 77 cents that I get to use towards other things. So yeah, but the bottom line issue, I say this every time, go feed yourself for two bucks, kids. And I'm not talking about a crappy drive-through either. Don't give me that 99 cent menu stuff because that goes against the whole principle of this conversation, anyways. Yeah. So um, you know, what we're trying to do, so this school year. Um, you know, we're looking at how do we improve quality, right? You know, so we do take some options away, but we're investing in higher quality, right? Um, sometimes when you have more options, does it mean it's the best thing for kids and for our staff, right? So we're really facing supply chain issues. It's getting a little better, but each day kind of surprises us with what we can and cannot get or the cost of that. Um, so when we factor in supply chain and staffing, which staffing, I don't want to jinx it. January was a good month. Uh, last January, we were averaging about 50 people absent. I think we got to the um, highest of 54 people that were absent in a day. We have a workforce of 230. So that's a good chunk. It's but a big chunk. Was good. Like we had, we had enough subs to fill. So um, that's going well. But when we go and look at our menu this year, we brought back our salad bars. We're really proud of our salad bars. Um, we have them in all of our elementary schools and all of our middle schools and high schools. So there's not really a campus that you're going to find that doesn't have one. Um, we brought them back this year for the first time since I think it was February of 2020. Cause we, if we remember that timeline of what was going on, sure. um, 
So it was a huge transition. We had a lot of new staff that never been around a salad bar, didn't know how to function with a salad bar. So we were really focusing on that. So we brought back an expansive salad bar, middle school and high school as a full service. You're going to find proteins, um, bulk dressing, um, some of these recommendations that uh, Chef Ann, when we had an assessment in, in last March, um, made. Uh, so we made that and put that in for our salad bars. We have a seasonal matrix bar of what we're, we're putting in to represent seasonality. Um, but, you know, here in California, we have an abundance of produce. Um, winter, not so much, but, uh, really investing in that to improve the quality. Our kids can now get, um, a boat to supplement their, their meals. And they're just piling on the salad bars, uh, for their meals. And so for middle schools and high schools and our elementaries are really enjoying it as well. The power and choice, um, and what the different colors they can put on their plate. So we wanted to get that foundation going and then, um, next school year, we're, we signed up to attest that 40% of our weekly offerings will be freshly prepared. This was kind of a direction California was wanting to go for kit mm-hmm. funding or kitchen infrastructure funding. So uh, we're piloting some new recipes right now. We just hired a chef. Um, so he's learning all about um, school food, what we can and cannot do. How does it fit into the uh, subgroup. So we're really proud of the direction we're going. I absolutely love it. And, and one of the things that that I, I hear is a recurring theme from everybody that's come through on this platform, Lunchtime Heroes, is how important choice is to these kids, that they're able to empower themselves. You know, kids kids want to learn, right? And they get to make choices. And sometimes they make good choices. Sometimes they make bad choices. But <laughs> to be able to go into the cafeteria and have a choice, I feel like this today, or I want this, and knowing whatever choice they make, you know, isn't that cardboard tomato pizza or ketchup pizza that I can recall, or, you know, some of the stuff that just, you know, doesn't, doesn't win the day for everybody. I think it's really empower. I think it's really empowering to these kids. And I think that it's, it's a chance for them to have a little control in their day. Um, and it's, I, I just think it's so great for their development to have some of these different opportunities. So talk to me a little bit, if you wouldn't mind about, you know, you talked, touched on a little bit about the changes that are coming to your program, but talk to me a little bit about, the hurdles that are involved with making these changes, because, you know, you got 25, 22, 25, whatever the number thousands of kids. It's not, you know, that boat doesn't flip, you know, <laughs> that boat doesn't turn quick. So talk to me a little bit about the hurdles. You know, um, when we look at that, we're constantly assessing what can we do, right? And how can Love we love it? It's never in my language to say now we can't do it because who would have thought that we would be serving outside curbside and yeah. California with the wildfires and the rain. So we know we can do anything if we had set our mind to it. Um, so it can't is not my vocabulary. It's can. Right. And so for us, um, you know, we don't have a central kitchen, nor do we have a central warehouse for a large district like us. So um, we know that some of our limiting factors are just the organizational structure within our department, right? So we don't have a central kitchen, but we can create recipes that can be produced at sites. So, um, and we also uh, just hired a chef. Um, right. I didn't want the warehouse or not having a warehouse and not having a central kitchen to be a reason why we can't, because we can have a chef he can go to kitchens. We have 55 kitchens. Why can't he go into one of these kitchens and create and train our staff on these recipes? So uh, he just 
was hired. Chef Brad Morris um, was hired in December. And so right now, um, some of these changes that we're doing is really involving our staff on the why, right? So why mm-hmm. are we making these choices? Like our kids, we know I kind of touched upon, we have a very challenging demographics of students, right? And so it's in the best interest that we provide the best program. Um, the why is the 40%, right? And the how are we going to do that? We're creating new recipes. Piece, as I mentioned, we're testing homemade marinara sauce, bolognese sauce. We're trying different uh, bowls like teriyaki bowls. And we're looking at um, breakfast burritos. Breakfast is a challenging area for us because another factor is there's not a lot of time in the morning to get a freshly prepared um item right out, but we can do a lot the day before preparing. So our chef sure. is working on that. So operational structure is a challenge. Um, you know, staffing is a challenge that their schedules and contracts, because some of those are just union negotiated, um, but we can work around that. Um, obviously with staffing, if, you know, staff are out sick and whatnot, um, that's a challenge, but, you know, we find a way we have a healthy sub pool this school year of 15 subs, which doesn't sound like a lot, but over the summer we had zero. So we've really, yeah. yeah. Um, well, having the staff is everything. And to your point, having the staff buy-in yeah. is as important as anything, right? Because, you know, there, there's staffs out there that just, you know, open containers and pour stuff out, but there's also staffs that fire up the oven and start to saute and they start to do things and they start to get into it, which from what I'm garnering and from what, you know, the different stories that I've been told, once you get the staff buy-in, it's like a rocket ship to the moon at that point. And, you know, staff, it all starts with our staff, right? Um, oftentimes people think it's the kids, which is important, right? They have sure. to make the food, but the staff is is how and why we do what we do, right? Because if we didn't have the staff, nobody would be at the kitchens cooking. So we're really trying to invest in our staff and build the capacity because we know the changes that we wanna make with 40%, which is 27 items that we're gonna be offering weekly next school year being freshly prepared. We have to get our staff bought into that we have to train our staff on that and we have to make them comfortable with reading recipes and cooking recipes, right? You know, cause it's transitioning from a heat and serve model. So we wanted to start with them. We wanted to understand like, is this realistic at your kitchens? What would be some barriers for your own site? Do you think this is doable? And then lastly, like what are some recipes or ideas that you have for your sites? Cause they're around kids every day. Day, Yeah. Yeah. So staffs were just so passionate and so um, bought into the idea of making these changes. And at first I was like, oh, are they going to like this that we're putting on for the next school year? But we did this recipe challenge where it was three Tuesdays in January they came. First, we started with the why. We're making these changes. We're doing 40%. Here's what the legislation says and how we can get more funding to support it. The next was... Uh, week was we were looking at the menu, our current menu, and talking about what the items would be and having them calculate like how many items would they need per day and per week to meet the requirements. And then the last Tuesday, we ended with a potluck and our staff brought a recipe that it could be any recipe. Um, And why, you know, why would you make this and how did you make it? And a lot of it was 
oh, this was my grandmother's recipe, or this is my family recipe, or this is a traditional recipe. And it was just so interesting that like food really ties us all together and brings us together. And the, the recipes were a huge range of like a Vietnamese soup. There was an enchiladas. I mean, it was just culturally diverse. And staff really enjoyed it because they feel like they're making a change. They are moving that needle for our kids. Um, and they were really thoughtful of like, oh, well, I know we would have this in our kitchen. So I think it would be easily adaptable for this recipe. So it was just really great. And, um, you know, we're, we're making some great changes for next year. I think it's so powerful. And, you know, you, you touch on something, you know, grandma's recipe and my mom's recipe, whatever that, but if you think about a cook, anybody, I don't care if you're making a grilled cheese sandwich, we all want to know how good at food tastes, not by our own standard, but what somebody else says. So I can imagine a sense of empowerment and pride and confidence building as well with your staff to be able to put something out that, you know, grandma, whomever made 75 years ago and some kid goes, God, this is great. Can I have more type of thing? I mean, that's powerful. That's yeah. incredibly uplifting. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, the, the changes in the program. I mean, you're making changes, you've made changes. And you're on a trajectory I just absolutely love. And I, I, I hope it's 100% and it just, you know, I, the sky's the limit in my mind where we, we need to take this. But getting to be kind of a two-part question here. Talk about the changes, you know, that you have made and how that's impacted, you know, inside your budget perhaps and even the number of meals that you have prepared. Because obviously when the food, if the food's better, kids are eating, right? They're going to be, it's like, oh, I'm going back for that, right? I, oh, right. I love that. It's my favorite. And then talk to me too about how the kids are directly responding to the changes that you're making. Right. Um, so I'm going to take us back to last school year. So last sure. school year was what the 21, 22 school year. It mm-hmm. was really like our school year coming out of this COVID. I don't even know feeding style. Right. So we were very cautious last year because there was a lot of unknowns. Like, are we going to have kids on campus? Uh, is it safe to bring back salad bars? I didn't feel like it was, we didn't have that. So we kind of just, continued on. And there was a lot of, it was low participation. We averaged about 5,000, like 5,500 breakfasts. Now we're at 7,000 here for lunch. We're at 14, 15,000 lunches. Now we're at 18,000. So I think those numbers alone show that we're doing better now because we brought back the salad bars. We are minimizing the packaging and kids are enjoying it, right? So like you said, like when you have better food, kids will come, they will eat this. And so they are coming. Um, Last year, some of these reasons why we brought back the full salad bars in middle school and high school, we never had those. You could never find proteins and grains and the, um, you know, the salad dressing uh, shakers had packets before. Um, But some of the things last year from students was portion sizes are not big. There's not variety. I want more fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, We want to see some cultural foods. Uh, We want different things on the salad bar. And we didn't have that last year because we just didn't know if we were the time was right for us. Sure. Um, So we took that feedback last year and put it into the program this year at high school about, okay, they want to feel more like adult, right? They want to have a larger salad bar. Let's make this part of the whole, the whole meal and service. Um, and so they would get their lunch off the line and then have the ability to get a separate paper boat to load salad bars. We didn't want the salad bars at high schools to be on top of the tray with their meal. We wanted it to be separate because they could put however much 
Like sure. I mean, whatever it's produce, it's fresh fruits and vegetables. I will never say no to having, you know, at my own house, seconds and thirds and fourths or whatever for fresh fruits and vegetables of my students. Um, so students are doing that. High schools are piling up these boats of, of lettuce and vegetables and proteins and, and dressing it. So um, I feel that last year with the some of the, you know, constructive feedback uh, I, I saw I, was an opportunity to put that back into the program. Um, we didn't capture everything they had asked for, um, but we'll start making those other changes as well. And so um, with the perceived, you know, you're seeing this change in your cafeteria. So you feel like your power is in your voice. You made this change. So high schools and middle schools are really um, having improved attendance and our, our participation is what I mean. And high elementary is more of a captive audience. They all come through yeah. the line there, but middle school and high school is where we've seen the biggest gains um, from last year. Yeah, you know, one of the things one of the things that I, I ask and we talk about, and, and I find really interesting when I've asked this question of, of, of everybody is, are the kids like hanging out in the cafeteria a little bit longer because they're again they're not grabbing that crappy slice of pizza going out just like you know I got to put something in I didn't know. And they're hanging out with their peer group a little bit more. It's one of the things I find really interesting is that they seem to run out of time almost at lunch because they're enjoying the experience yeah. amongst their amongst their peers. And the food's good. Yeah. And another um, change that we um, saw was some of these high schools took their COVID funding or site funding. They had an abundance of that. And some of these high schools invested in better um, seating furniture in the cafeterias. So it just timed right for us, right? We're yeah. making our changes in school lunch. They're investing in this bistro, a uh, different level of seating in the cafeterias and kids are enjoying that. Can't fit all the kids. Um, and we brought back to our other outside point of sale services for kids and they're really enjoying that as well. I think it's just it's, experience improved. Yeah. I mean, and again, it goes back to empowering these kids and the fact that you give the kids a voice that you can, you know, that they can give you suggestions or feedback or come into a tasting or to be a part of setting the path forward with school nutrition is incredibly powerful. I mean, it really is food. Food is medicine. Food, you know, food is, is communal. Food is something that unites people. Food is something that, that is, is just it, to your point earlier, it's an incredibly powerful experience. And to be able to have, people that are eating, you know, these kiddos three meals a day with you. And, you know, again, if it was just, you know, cardboard pizza, cardboard pizza, cardboard pizza, it wouldn't be the exact same, you know, it just, it, it doesn't win the day. And the fact that you guys are making these changes is so incredible. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing, you know, are you seeing things with the kids about, you know, physical, mental, behavioral improvements with these kids? You know, obviously if they're spending more time chilled out in the cafeteria, it's got to slow things down a touch. It's got to have everybody's got a moment of pause, a little, you know, putting food in their bellies. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah, you know, um, we do have a robust uh, health services department that, you know, does relay to us on, you know, um, dietary needs, uh, following students and their office visits. And um, we haven't really seen an uptick in that or a request um, you know, and definitely it does help with the behavioral aspect just in the cafeteria alone, because when kids are eating, they don't have a lot of time to be loud um, or getting in, you know, some other 
altered. Yeah, run in your mouth. We yeah. call it run in your mouth. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, I think there was a lot of apprehension with the salad bars coming back in elementary school. A lot of principals said, I don't know, elementary kids picking their own fruits and vegetables, going through the line, handling the tongs, handling this. It's going to slow down the lines. They're going to throw fruit at each other. They're going to make a mess. It's not the case. No. No, I would I would argue that point that even I, I would argue that point without even any data that would be right. the case because food is a communal environment and yeah. they're making getting to be empowered by choice. If you tell a kid that you can only eat this, that's all your only option. What's that do for them, right? But if you tell them you have five things you can pick from, they're empowered. Mm-hmm. They want to go eat that because they made that choice. They own that. And I think that's incredibly important experience that we need to be teaching our kids is ownership of their own thoughts and ideas. And let them form and let them And school nutrition is one area that just allows that to, uh, you know, to thrive. I think it's incredibly powerful. And, you know, um, our district every Thursday, we meet with different schools at a leadership level It's called site ops. And I do reports to the principal on things going on in nutrition services. And I think as directors, we always have a few of these principals that are just resistant to everything. They want to they don't want to do the salad bar. They don't want to do the fresh fruit and vegetable program. They don't want, you know, whatever it may be in your district. And we had this one principal in the beginning of the school year that was like, I am not bringing the salad bar back. If I do, it's only going to be two days a week. It's not going to be every day. I'm not doing the fresh fruit and vegetable. So he expressed his concerns, um, you know, in the beginning of the school year. And I said, well, let's see, let's work together. I'll have supervisors myself come out here. We'll work with custodial so we just had this site visit, the second site visit um, for his site last week. And the principal had no complaints. He was like, the salad bar is going great. You know, kids are really enjoying it. It's not the mess that I thought it would. Kids are very mannered and in control of what they're choosing and how they're acting in the cafeteria. And I think as adults, we always go to the worst case scenario. But I'm always like, hey, let's give it a try. Like, yeah. We have to trust students. We have to. Um, and this site also had a large group of, it's a K-6 school. Um, so in sixth grade, they had leadership. And last year they wrote to us, I got all these letters about, you know, the meals not being up to their standards. And so I haven't gotten any letters this school year. So from that one site. Well, you know, I'm glad that story came to a good ending at the end because I was all getting fired up to go off my soapbox on that whole concept of not giving these kids a choice. What is the downside of putting fruits and vegetables in front of children? I mean, what is your alternative? You're going to put, you know, garbage in front of them? Get here, here, have a Pepsi and a cheeseburger. Enjoy your life. It makes no sense because this is such a big opportunity to change literally our planet through nutrition. Yeah, and that school, you know, has a huge percentage of students that are, you know, free and reduced um, and don't have food. And so it was one of our original curbside sites. It's one of these sites that we've heavily invested in the fresh fruit and vegetable program. Um, They have farmer's markets. We provide them the extra snack. And so it was very disheartening to hear a principal, especially say they wanted to do away with it. They did not want to have the salad bar. But I think, you know, as principals or administrators, sometimes you deal with a lot, a few, I should say, a few students or a few staff members that are, um, can be troublesome um, and kind of cast that same for everybody. And that's not the case. You have to work with those individuals. You have to work with those individual kids to recorrect the behavior that you're wanting to see. And um, this was a a great success uh, to hear this principal last week was just 
everything positive and that things were going great and that he said that he wants his application for the fresh fruit and vegetable site for next school year. So I love it. Way to go. Way to get a convert. The power of Leslie just chop, chop. We got you. I love it. I absolutely love it. work with them. There's no sense in knee jerk reactions, right? No, because I mean, look, at the end of the day, it doesn't, you know, it, quite frankly, his or her as a principal, I could give a rat's about the inconvenience they might feel. Remember who you're serving. You're serving those kids. The kids right. are why you're there. The kids are why you're being paid. And right. your job's to uplift, inspire, and to work on creating a better generation of children to make this a better planet for everybody, right? Well, That's how we're going to win the day. Yeah. And as you said, like, if that got into the news about a principal not wanting oh. to give fruits and vegetables, it just goes against everything we're trying to achieve here. So I'm glad overall that we were able to work with that site and make it successful. I absolutely love it. I think I think it's a testament to what you're doing. I think it really does talk about the whole overall concept of what this whole program, what we're talking about, the fact that it does work. And even to get somebody on the outside to saying no, 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 no. And then to see what these kids are saying, yes, yes, yes. I mean, Come on. It, 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 I, I think your story that you just shared it just solidifies the, entire, the entirety of this whole entire message I'm trying to get across is how powerful this experience is. And we need to take it much, much more seriously as a nation and as a whole, yeah. without a doubt. Um, wh- what about parents? Are you getting any feedback from, from mom and dads out there that's saying, hey, I can't find this. My kid wants to eat this. Where do I get you know, stuff like that? Are you getting any good positive feedback from them? Yeah, you know, um, you we get a few of those calls where, you know, due to supply chain stuff, right? So you advertise what will be on the planned menu for the day, but then your vendor has other things in mind and you right. don't have that product. So you have to make a last minute substitution, yeah. why it says subject to change. So, you know, it's just the power in educating and informing those parents and they're then, oh, okay, I understand. Yeah, it must be hard. And and they're happy with that. And I understand as a parent, you have this, you know, your child is excited about, you know, whatever it may be on the menu, uh, burgers or something, and that doesn't happen. So I understand the disappointment, but I explain why and some of those challenges. Um, but more or less, you know, our district is so diverse um, population, which is just beautiful in itself, right, to have such a, a diverse culture in our schools. Um, so we get a lot of different inquiries from parents on how we're addressing different cultural, um, you know, preferences like halal food or sure. um, then dietary preferences of vegan and vegetarian and whatnot. So um, we work with our parent groups on that. We have a lot of different liaisons that work with different parent groups. Um, and so some of those things that we're trying to do that we can easily change is you know, translating information. So um, a year ago, we had um, a large amount of students and families that were Afghan refugees that came to our area of Sacramento um, that, you know, English was second language. And so we worked with them, their parent group to, um, to translate some information of just the basics of what the school meal program was, because they're seeing things they've never seen before. So we worked on educating and informing. We have a wonderful dietitian on staff who was just so passionate on really engaging with our community and on trying to understand, um, but then also educating them on what we do. 
So um, we've been doing that for the last year and um, in the coming months, we're working with that community um, and that parent group to talk about a halal food box distribution or trying to find out different ways of, you know, where do they shop, right? So we can understand that and try to make these changes. And I think having the chef now on staff will really move that faster than we could. Um, so we're just, those are some of the unique um, parent requests. We always get the parent request of like, my son says they're hungry and they're not eating enough. So we can combat that. But we're really focused on how do we become more inclusive um, with the diverse population that we're serving. I love it. I love it. Well, I, I love the open-mindedness of the whole thing and embracing, and to your point, embracing the culture that you have, mm-hmm. uh, inviting all to that table. Because again, that a table of food is a great place to unify a lot of people. And, you know, you guys are doing that. Tell me what's next for you guys. I mean, I know you're excited about what's coming in the future. You touched on a little bit. I, my my guess and hearing your conversation to this point, doubt you're going to slow down very much about trying to continue to drive this boat forward the way you're doing it. No, no slowing down. Uh, but, you know, being methodical and strategic of what we're doing always. Um, but, you know, I think it's just really the focus for us right now. Um, short term is we're already on the 23-24 school year <laughs> uh, planning those menus. So, as I said, 40% of our weekly offerings are now going to be converted to freshly prepared. So we're really focused on that to identify what those items will be, getting the equipment we need to support that and building capacity in our staff. So we're going to be focused on training. Um, as I said, with having the chef now, it really provides another resource and tool for our staff. So um, we're going to do some professional development on just the basics of culinary. They haven't really been exposed to things like that, even though right. they do every day, um, like knife handling, standardized recipes. We're creating a lot of new recipes, so it's going to be training them on that. Um We also are setting a goal for a year from now to bring a raw protein in. We've never brought in a raw protein. So we're going to try with beef, like ground beef, um, to see what our capacity is in a year from now. Um, So a local procurement. Um, So trying to find a local um, vendor for the proteins or more direct local uh, purchasing of produce, which I know we're in California. But again, we don't have a warehouse or a kitchen kind of that barrier so we're trying to see how we can do that uh so local procurement uh the menu change and then um our district just passed a bond so i would be remiss in saying that um i have been a strong advocate for building a central kitchen um that was the my predecessor's vision and i think that would be instrumental and just really tying this program all together to improve consistency and quality of the meals that we're giving to our kids. So that's my my long-term vision here of getting us a really functional workspace as well for our warehouse and a central kitchen. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, I, I think that makes it such a big difference when you can start to um, strategize under one, one roof and, and get, it helps your message. There's no two ways about it. It helps your goals by being able to get this here and get that there and have that kind of control. So I'm, Hey, Gavin, write a check to this lady. She needs some more money for a central kitchen. Come on. (laughs) You're you're, you're writing crappy checks elsewhere. Write a good check for this one. Would you please? I would appreciate it. This is awesome. Leslie, I'm so, I'm so proud of what you're accomplishing, what you're doing, what your goals are. 
um, I appreciate just the openness that you shared with us, you know, about the kiddos that you're dealing with and about the struggles that you've had and about how you overcome things and the challenges that you face. This is not an easy lift, but it is so worthwhile. And you are seeing it firsthand. And I know, I know the changes that you have made touch your heart. I know the changes that you see fire you up every day, no matter what life's throwing at you, because you're making a difference in these kids. And the difference is, is yes, you're making a difference on a Tuesday or a Thursday, but the difference you're making you don't know what that's going to be in five years or what that's going to be in 10 years or what they're going to do with their lives based on the inspiration that you and your staff provide them. So kudos to you. A ton of love for my team to your team. I'm coming up. I'm coming up. Can I come up for lunch? You buy me lunch yeah. if I come in? Done. Yeah. Right, I'm in. Let's have you. I'm, in. I'm coming I'm over. I'm coming over time. for lunch. Just a thrill. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate your time and energy. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you again. Absolutely mind as well. Thanks. Everybody, Lunchtime Heroes, we're talking about this stuff because you need to be talking about it in your own school districts, with your kids, with your schools, with your administrators, with the crabby principal that says no to fruits and vegetables, which I'm not bringing that up again. But nonetheless, <laughs> we need to make a change and make a change in our school nutrition is one way we can make a better planet for everybody moving forward. Let's get involved. It's up to you to make changes, right? I can only present, I can only present good folks like Leslie to tell you why it's working right? It's up to you to take the ball and run with it. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Remember, go inspire somebody today, just like Leslie's fired me up for the rest of my day. It's incredibly important that we find inspiration in what we do every day. And school nutrition is one way that you can get fed back inside your heart and put some good food in people's bellies. So keep watching, keep listening. Thanks for being here. We'll see you all soon.